We are in uh, 1 Peter, the second chapter. We uh, talked in 2 Peter this morning. 1 Peter, and the message is entitled, A Solid Rock. I counseled with a young 14-year-old girl one time many, many years ago. She was uh, being cared for in a foster home uh, at 14 years of age. She, of course, uh, had acne and was a pretty severe pretty severe and uh, she came from several homes but the reason she was in a foster home to begin with her dad abused her since she was probably eight years of age she's just young lady that became a young woman and developed rather quickly for a, a young lady her age she would not look up at you when you talk to her she wouldn't raise her head. She walked around with her head down. The family that she was with was just a good, solid family. And I began to talk with her, trying to help her. Began to coach her every single week. Started to breathe life into her of who she was. Created in the image of God. You see, she could not see that she had been created in the image of God, see that she was beautiful in her own way because of all the garbage, because of all the hurt, because of all the pain she had experienced. She could not launch and move that mountain, and we stayed at it over and over. One of the exercises was stand in front of the mirror and say, look in the mirror, I am beautiful. She did it the first time with her head down, I am beautiful. No, look up. Look in the mirror. Look who's doing the talking. And we practiced that over and over and over again. Then we went from I am beautiful, I am special to God, and on and on and on. Until finally she began to realize who she was. Finally she began to realize the value of her creation. Later on, of course, she married and married a wonderful man. They're still married today. Has a couple children of her own, but a totally different individual. Uh, dealing with that was an unbelievable experience. How many of you know what it's like to be rejected? May I see your hand? To be rejected. To be rejected maybe by your peers. Maybe some of you said, I wasn't the most athletic person, so when it came to choosing sides in school about who's going to be on the softball team or play basketball or play volleyball, I was among the last to be chosen. I wasn't really engaged athletically, things of that nature, so I felt rejected, you might say. Others of you have gone through the power of relational rejection and what that means does nothing for your self-image unless you have someone to coach you and encourage you and strengthen you. We all know that. We all know that that happens. In the garden, when Adam and Eve, we were all created in the image of God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Created in the image of God. Created in the image of God. But when Adam and Eve made their mistake, initiated by Adam... So we got that right. Initiated by Adam. He might point his finger to Eve, but no, 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 no. Let's man up and say it was Adam right there. So in fact, in that failure, here's what happened. 
the creation of men and women born, though created in the image of God, were tainted. Created in the image of God, you were ugly. Created in the image of God, you were rejected. Created in the image of God, you were an individual that was marked. It didn't matter. That's why that in the Old Testament, it was Jehovah, there was a form of worship. So let me tell you what that meant. That meant, that meant, of course, that no matter how good you were and no matter, no matter how many times that, that you offered sacrifices, you still weren't accepted. You still weren't accepted to be the premium blessing unto God. There was a chasm between you and God, between you and Jehovah. So here's what happened. You remember, of course, that Israel was led by high priest, and they grumbled and said, we want a king. You remember the first king, he flubbed up. His name was Saul, and he messed up, flubbed up. God said, I want to be your king. And then in the worship of the temple, you had the priest and you had the high priest. No person, no person was allowed, of course, to get into the holy of holies. The high priest was there. He offered the sacrifice. You could offer sacrifice. He burned the incense. But you, you just weren't allowed. You weren't, if, if the temple were available, we're in the Old Testament, you couldn't get near it. You couldn't get close to it. As a matter of fact, though God said, hey, but, but, but the covenant is real. So you had the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron had two sons one time who messed up and did not do the time of incense and the time of offering, they did not do it exactly like they were supposed to. They became lazy on the job, and God struck both of them dead on the spot. That's how important being the high priest was in that day. That's how important it was. You do it right or you were done. There was no ifs, ands, and buts. And the Ark of the Covenant, when it was traveling, if you got near it and touched it, as some did, you died. You reached out and touched. In other words, God said, that's holy. That's holy. That represents me. That's my person. That's my image. You don't tamper with that by human hands. And he meant that. And you do this exactly the way that you're supposed to do it. And you say, wow, that's unbelievable the value and the power. That's why that, for example, when we come, it's not some traditional fantasy that when you come into the house of God, you come in with reverence. Amen? You come in with respect. You come in with honor. You are in the house of God. You sit like you're sitting in the presence of a king. You respond like the king of kings and the Lord of lords is here. That this is not our temple this place, this is the house of God. Amen? And we understand that. So Old Testament took place. Tainted, could not get close. You could offer all the sacrifices, but still the enemy had a grip. No matter what, how white your robe was, it was still soiled by the power of sin. Still soiled because you and I did not have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we understand that, something phenomenal happened. It took Peter a while to, to grasp hold of that. 
And because this rejection mentality had been so great for so long, that's why that many of the Jews, even today, cannot accept Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. They acknowledge, but it doesn't relate to the point of redemption because the Messiah is yet to come. doesn't relate. So in other words, still feeling at a distance. And so Peter comes along and he says, but I, I want to change your mind. I want you to understand uh, the power of what it means to be chosen of God. Now, you know and I know that, uh, for example, they're for, in watermelons, for example. I, as a younger person and driving and hauling uh, for my dad and, and his business, we all, watermelons, we bought watermelons by the hundreds. And my brother and I hauled them, of course, when I, I was 17 to Atlanta, to Indianapolis, Indiana. My brother was 14, and buddy, we had a pocket full of money. We had truckloads of watermelons, and we went out and we sold them in the farmer's markets. Louisville, Kentucky, Birmingham, Alabama, Indianapolis, Indiana, come back and load up again. But one time we decided, hey, these, are, these great watermelons are wonderful, but they had a big stack over there called calls. Calls. You could buy a whole truckload, semi-like truckload of calls for about $250. $250. Say, hey, you know, didn't have a particular size. They were good on the inside, sweet. We said, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to buy a load of calls and haul them out. And so we did. Where we were selling watermelons at that time and saying at that time the watermelons were, say, $5 a piece, you could sell a call watermelon for about 75 cents, a buck. Others in the markets were selling $5 watermelons. We were standing there saying, hey, ours is a buck right here. I promise you, just as sweet. Why don't you try it? But there was something that a call watermelon could not stand up to the beautiful watermelon that passed the grade and was inspected as a beautiful, beautiful piece of fruit. So I want to let you know, the enemy said, you're nothing. Okay, so Old Testament, you go and offer your sacrifices. That's where the Jews were. You go offer the sacrifice, then you packed your bag and you went back and until the next festival, you just kind of did what you're supposed to do. But if you died, you died. No matter how good, no matter how bad, you died. Why? Sin. Sin. Sin is the death knell. Sin was the killer. Those that touch the ark, don't touch it. Those that messed up the sacrifice, you die right then on the spot. Now, if you're God, and in your heart of hearts, because to God, everybody is created in his image. But sin made everybody a call. I don't care how intelligent, how smart. I don't care how many times you brought the incense, you were still a call. Why? Because death ruled in you. No matter how much you put on makeup, false eyelashes, three or four toupees, or wigs, didn't matter. How many nose jobs you had, doesn't matter. You were still a call. 
And can you imagine Jehovah God who looks on humanity by the millions? I mean, just talk about the Jews by the millions, not to mention those that were the Gentiles. And say, I created them in my image. But sin has caused them to live way below the potential that I created them for. They always walk with a limp because they're not healed spiritually. They're always blind, groping in the darkness because they they can't see. Their minds are fuzzy. They can't grasp and understand it because the blindness of sin is there. And God looks at humanity and the image and the people that he created, and he must have said, as we find in Scripture, there has to be an answer. There has to be a bridge that brings healing, that takes the scales off the eyes, that that takes the dirt away, that takes the spot away, that that takes that call and and infuses life or perfection into it, that, that makes that person once again have life and be whole. If you've ever been abused, if you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been just nixed, you know what that feels like. It takes time to get over that. It takes advantage. And that is why when God looked and said, what is the answer? The answer is this. His name is Jesus. For no greater love, no greater love, no greater love than the love that Jesus had for you. So what does the devil always try to do? He always tries to pull you back into the ditch. Even when you're redeemed and you're born again and you say, okay, God, I got a good thing going. What's the devil's desire? To always pull you back in the ditch. Always create a mindset in you, you're not good enough. Always create a mindset in you, you've blown it so many times, his grace is not sufficient for you. Always to tell you all the things that you've done wrong and every single, I'm going to put you on the call pile. Always causing you to feel inferior. Maybe you can't sing like some can sing. Maybe, maybe you look at yourself and say, God gave height to some and gave me short. Doesn't matter. God gave some a wonderful 36 waist, and others of us, he gave a 34. <laughs> I don't know what y'all laughing at. You know, some God gave me arms that are in shape, some of you ladies, and some of you say, look at my arm. It is not in shape, it's flabby. But listen, that body that we so look at will decay but what's inside you in the person of Jesus Christ is a king's kid that will live forever amen Amen? will live forever so I'm pinch hitting here Peter steps to the plate he's a good guy to do that he was a pristine perfect guy wasn't he his mouth was too big his temper was too short His understanding was self-centered. And now all of a sudden, this man, truly redeemed now, 
given chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity, steps forward in 1 Peter. He's preaching again to the dispersed church, the scattered church. And he says, you, calling your name, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Well, I thought only a few were allowed. I thought if you didn't do it right, you were going to get stricken by lightning, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? 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 Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Your partner is Jesus Christ. Your advocate is Jesus Christ. Your comfort is Jesus Christ. Your security is in Jesus Christ. Your promise is in Jesus Christ. The lover of your soul is Jesus Christ. Your soon coming king is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not going to leave you. He is not going to forsake you. He's going to be there whether you like it or not. If you're running away, he will hunt you down. If you try to hide, he will find you. If you go into the darkness to hide there, he said, I'll turn the light on because he is always there. And here's what Peter says. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So he says, how is that possible? How do you go from the call? How do you go from, how do you go from the rejected stone? He says, you lay aside your old evil life. You come to the conclusion that you have a chance. You come to the conclusion that there is hope. You come to the conclusion that he is God and being God, he must have looked down and said, there is something in you that I like. Here is an opportunity for you to be able to be clean, an opportunity to be changed, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to receive honor, an opportunity to receive applause, an opportunity to enter into the eternal kingdom of heaven, and I will lay my hand. I give you the anointing on you. That's how special you are. And the devil says, that's a lie. Peter said, no, it's not. It's not. He's about to blast every idea of the religious passed away as it relates in the Old Testament. And he begins to deal with that. And the temple was a stone structure, worship, habitation. He says, your exposure to God, as I mentioned, was through the priest and no other ordinary person. You just couldn't even get there. No matter how hard you tried, you had no chance. And now Peter says, don't worry about it. He said, there is one who split the veil in the temple. You, it, it was about that thick. You, you couldn't have done it. Your goodness, you couldn't get many points. No BOGOs, not enough of them. No coupons, not enough of them. But there was one. There was one. Hallelujah. He said, get this, my presence is going to come out of an incense box. My presence is going to come out of the process of the ritual routine, and I'm going to split that veil, and now I'm going to say every last one of you, y'all, that's right, he was from the South, y'all, come on in, amen, come on in, why? Because now in you is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen? In you is the temple of the Holy Ghost. No longer rejected, no longer put down, no matter mistakes, you are that stone that is available. Paul said, did you not know that yourselves as God's temple and that God's Spirit lives within you and that you are now the priest prepared to worship God? So every time we come together, Every time we come together and we start and we worship as we're doing right now, listening to the Word of God, he says, just exalt me, honor me. Anytime you utter my name, Peter says, draw near to God. Present yourself as that person that God has ordained. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So in other words, when you have a challenge that's beyond your ability, something that bugs you, something that creates angst for you, something that disturbs you, something that causes you to say, I don't know if I can make it. He said, remember in you is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he makes intercession for you for he lives and abides in you. He is the vine. You are the branch. Reach out to him and watch that spirit that is in you begin to evolve in to a mighty champion through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. Secondly, we reach our potential in him by choice. I'm a king's kid. Say that with me. I'm a king's kid. Used to be a phrase that we use, but I'm a king's kid. I am a king's kid. Doesn't matter if you wear rags, you're a king's kid. Doesn't matter if you drive a wrecked four-door sedan, you're a king's kid. Doesn't matter whether smoke rolls out from under it because the transmission is broke, you're a king's kid. Amen? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you eat bologna all day long. Ain't nothing wrong with a good bologna sandwich. You're a king's kid. Amen? Amen? Maybe your name was not in the top list of the graduating class. You are a king's kid. Amen? Maybe, maybe your mom and dad didn't have any money. Hallelujah. And maybe you don't have a lot, but you did better than them. Let me just tell you something. You are a king's kid. Amen? Just maybe, maybe you're born on the other side of the tracks. How many of you know where that's at? Hello, you are still a king's kid. Amen. Doesn't matter whether you stutter, doesn't matter whether you can spell, doesn't matter whether you can put two sentences together and make a paragraph, you are a king's kid. Amen. Doesn't matter if you got splotches, you got gray hair or no hair, or you got nose hair and ear hair, you are still a king's kid. Somebody say a good amen. Come on now, help me preach. You're a king's kid. And God doesn't care whether you broke or whether you loaded up with money. I like loaded up with money better, by the way. How about you? <laughs> You're still a king's kid. What makes you valuable? Not you. It's him. It's him. He says, now... To you who believe, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Can you imagine the surprise in the arenas and the hallways of hell and to the devil when Jesus decided to say, 
I'm going back to my daddy, my father. <laughs> you can't do that. You're dead. No. I have the keys. <laughs> you don't have anything. I kicked you out a long time ago. You still defeated whether you know it or not. You might think you got hope, but I, I got the keys. Doesn't matter. I, I got the keys. Amen. And I've got a whole host of other individuals. Isaiah describes the subtle lie of disillusioned believers. This is what he said. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. You boast we have entered into a covenant with death. And with the grave we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. For we have made a lie, or made a lie our refuge and a falsehood our hiding place. And he said, no, you haven't. You've been told a lie you have believed a lie hallelujah Peter says those who try to build a life without the cornerstone will live a frustrated life a false hope life a nervous tension and at the end of the day will stand before the great judge and the great judge will show them all the opportunities they missed show them the potential that they overlooked and in that moment of time he will say unless they make their mind up to serve depart from me you worker of iniquity So the potential for you and I are there. I said this morning, the same truth, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Isaiah 5.13, therefore my people will go into exile for lack of understanding. They didn't grasp what I'm sharing with you tonight. Their men of rank will die of hunger and their masses will be parched with thirst. Therefore the grave enlarges its appetite and opens its mouth without limit into it will descend their nobles and masses with all their brawlers and relevers. What is he saying? That many will not receive the message you are hearing. They will overlook it. And he says right here, and he will enlarge hell. Because many who had an opportunity to say, I accept the message. The enemy lied to me and told me I'm rejected. He lied to me and told me I'm no good. He lied to me and said I don't have any hope. He lied to me and said I can't make it. He lied to me and said just go your way. It will not matter. There is no such place to eternity. He lied to me. And people believed it. But he said for that man and that woman that says I'm dressing up. Amen. I'm, I'm putting on my Sunday best, my faith. I, I'm going to worship. I'm going to raise my hand in the presence of Jehovah. When I sing in the presence of Jehovah, something emanates in and out of me that connects with the news of the Heavenly Father. Finally, maximum our potential. You see, maximizing our potential mirrors our Creator. I had many inferiority complexes. Growing up, I have been known to be a bit strong-willed, salted with a little bit of stubbornness. Anybody out there? But if you take those two, two and you mold them a little bit, you got something going on. 
maximizing the potential. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare his praises of him who call, called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. That he said to you, hey, you, get off that call pile. Come over here. Hey, you, that other people rejected, get up. I put my approval on you. Come on over here. You that's gone through a divorce and some trying to make you feel like a second-rate citizen, come on, get up. Everything has a purpose. You belong to me. Come on, you that sinned and sinned and sinned, and you couldn't get a handle on it. And the enemies made you think because of all the things you've done, you can never count. Uh-uh-uh. I died for you. Get up. Come on over here. Amen. I'm building a temple. I'm building a church. And let me tell you, the cornerstone matters. So since I am the one who died, I will be the cornerstone. Amen? Everything flows out of the cornerstone. That cornerstone is perfect. That cornerstone is pure. That cornerstone is powerful. That cornerstone is not just any stone. It is the cornerstone with the place that Jehovah God laid it down. And when he laid it down, he served notice on the powers of darkness and say, hey, the gates of hell cannot shake my church that my cornerstone is the son of the living God. The gates of hell will not prevail. Amen? Because we we have the power under the anointing of Jesus Christ. And he says, where you had no hope, you now have hope. So if you will leave this room tonight and the needle in your own personal self-worth moves a little bit, lest you think that he doesn't really care about you because he hasn't answered a prayer, just let that needle move and remember who you are, the royal priesthood, a royal generation. A royal priesthood, a royal generation. My early years of ministry, a friend of mine made fun of me. Like, well, yeah, boy, you have drive and you have enthusiasm. No doubt about it. One said to me one time, you're burying your head in the sand because what you think you're going to be able to do is never going to happen. That came from a Christian brother. Hello? But the day came when I became secretary of this district. And the secretary always signs the annual credential cards. <laughs> I made sure I took my time when I signed his. You see, the point is this, friend. Who you are. That's nothing to do with your IQ or your bank account. It has everything to do of letting him come in and rule and say, hey, take my hand. You are somebody. Father, we thank you tonight for the abundance of your grace. We thank you because we know that we stand on a solid foundation. We stand on a solid rock. And if there are those listening either by live feed tonight 
or those in this room that the devil has been jerking them around. If there's some bruise they cannot seem to get healing for, bring healing in Jesus' name into their life. If there are those that's fighting an uphill battle and they wonder if they have the support to their back to help them, he is there, amen. Let them know, hallelujah, that he is nudging them forward. If there are some who have run out of creative ideas and it seems like they're in a desert place hallelujah let them know that you created the desert and you are there with them in the name of Jesus Christ let them know that what you see is not who they are right now you see the completed work in their life you see the lives that are changed in their life you see their sacrifice you see their commitment you see the times when they could have stopped and laid down and became lazy they got up and kept going you see them because they are precious in in your sight. Now minister to every person here and meet every person's need. And for those, Father God, who need a healing touch, bring healing to them in your name. Would you stand to your feet and would you repeat this prayer? Everybody after me right now, would you do that? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, have failed, I have failed. I've made mistakes. Made mistakes. I, have sinned, I have sinned. But right now, I confess all my sins. I believe by faith you have received me. I believe you love me. You have provided for me. And once again, you came through in my behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for believing in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you need prayer, if you need prayer, and the Holy Spirit is speaking, but let me, let me just change what I'm going If God has redeemed you out of a situation that, buddy, the doubt, the doubt alarm was going off and the devil played with your mind and that doubt and that fear began to and seemed to just choke you out, but tonight... You have walked out of that situation by the grace of God. And God has said, hey, breathe some fresh air. Amen. And he's done that. I, I tell you, the Holy Spirit, you just come down and say, God, I'm just coming to thank you. I don't need anything other than say thank you, Jesus. Amen. I just want to do that. Whatever else you need in healing, you come as we sing. We're just going to trust God right now. Would you do that? Everybody together.